Hi guys, I'm your girl Ashley Garcia, your host and fellow creative. This podcast is a space where we explore all things creative while diving deep into the mind, perspective, inspiration, and process with guests from all walks of life. Welcome, Creative Castaways. We're back with another episode of Creative Castaways. I am your host, Ashley, and I am here with Andrea. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good. No problem. We haven't talked in a while, so I thought, you know what, we can catch up, do a whole episode of us catching up. Plus, um, you have a ton of creative experience and knowledge. So I thought, yeah, why not bring you on? Be perfect. Yeah. Um, how like how's pandemic been for you? Yeah. Pandemic. Um, to be honest, in the beginning, it was like motivating because I was out and about. I I wasn't really into my job um, a year ago, so I kind of pushed myself to do a lot, do a lot of freelance stuff. Um, and then, kind of the end of 2020, it kind of like went downhill, and then I was just like, "Is this ever gonna end?" And then just got a little bit depressing things weren't really working out I got let go of my job and then um now I can relate on every aspect now I'm at a place where I'm trying to build that momentum trying to figure out what I want to do so I've actually been freelancing a lot for clients one of them being like my boyfriend one being my mom one being that's awesome a cannabis company so I'm just trying to be like super open-minded and just taking anything like life throws at me right now and trying to make money and pay my bills. <laughs> if, yeah. if like, I've never heard a truer statement. Like I've been doing the exact same thing um, ever since like COVID started. Um, for the, like, so I'm a hairstylist, like I'm a licensed hairstylist, but I'm also, um, I've always been an artist. So art's kind of always been my backbone in terms of like, um, freelance work. Right. Um, but obviously my trade is hair ever since COVID hit, um, it made work pretty difficult. So I ended up getting let go from two salons because of the lockdowns. So that really affected my, I guess, confidence level in terms of like, will I ever be able to really succeed in this career if this keeps happening? Right. Um, so that really, I can completely relate with the whole depressive period and being let go. It's, it's hard, especially when you don't know how your future is going to look. And the freelance work that we do is not, it's not a guaranteed income. So we always have to make sure that we're hustling. Like this is a really hustle related career art wise. But yeah, it's it's not it's not the easiest, but it's definitely rewarding when you see that that end product. Yeah, I think the hardest part too is like yeah, you can get freelance work here and there, but the actual getting the clients and being consistent with it is really hard. I know for like hairstyling too, you have like people that aren't always the consistent clients. You have people that are going to other people for cutting hair, so that's all the time. Yeah, other thing. So having there's no loyalty anymore i'm gonna say the loyalty (laughs) is like it's hard to find but then when you do find it it's it's amazing and you gotta take it for granted (laughs) honestly yeah i have a few i actually have a few clients who they they've been with me since hair school so they they have remained loyal to me since i was still learning how to do it so that to me means 
it means the world because it shows me that not only do they have um, confidence in my skill, but they liked it so much that they actually stayed with me. So I feel like for anyone that does any service, that is the that is the biggest vote of confidence that anyone can give you is their loyalty to you. Right. No, that's yeah. So where did you actually start uh, cutting hair, like school and everything? So um, I went to school in Barrie uh, to Modern College. Um, I mean, it was it was good. It was good. But um, I don't know if you're aware or not, but um, I actually got into an accident. Oh, wow. Two years ago. Um, Well, it wasn't like a car. Like I got a keg fell on my um, frontal lobe of my brain. So I ended up with permanent brain damage. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I was at Starbucks. <laughs> I was working. I was not drunk. I was not party, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I ended up uh, having to take about like almost a year of school off. And my program was only supposed to be 10 months. So it ended up extending a lot longer than it needed to. Right. Um, so when I went back, I ended up actually having to teach myself So a lot of the knowledge that I do have was actually my own. I had to teach myself because at that point, my class had already graduated the class after that. So I ended up two classes behind. So the teachers were not prioritizing my learning. They were prioritizing the other people. So I was left to basically figure it out, you know? Yeah. And how did you end up figuring it out? Whether like honestly, videos or yeah, honestly, YouTube, (laughs) YouTube has been a big help. Um, YouTube on um, the there's classes that they that you can purchase obviously from like um, master stylists that teach you techniques maybe things that you don't know um, you know different companies like brands they they offer like color lessons and you know just master classes so I've just I purchased a lot of those um, I got my extensions training so I know four different methods and that's all things that I did on my own. Because the school, like, obviously wasn't going to offer me that. Um, But I find that a lot, majority of my journey has been self-taught, whether it be art. So art, I started drawing when I was eight. I came to Canada, met this girl, um, and she inspired me, basically. She, I just seen her little drawings and I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is so cute. Like, I kind of like this. So I've always been drawn to anything art related. So that's kind of where the hair came in. I was having a midlife crisis and I was like, Hey, what am I going to do with my life that I'm going to allow myself to be creative. And I mean, you've known me long enough, you know, how many hairstyles and haircuts and things I've done to myself over the years. Yep. So (laughs) I figured color, (laughs) wigs, literally wigs. Yeah. I've seen everything. (laughs) I've even gone through the hair on fire phase. Like, (laughs) how does that even happen? (laughs) So, um, in hair school, so before I got into my accident, I trusted. So at that point, my hair had already grown out quite a bit. So, um, I, I'd had a pixie cut prior, so I'd let it grow out. It was about to the middle of my back and I was like, Hey, cool. I want to try this new balayage thing, which is basically, um, think of an ombre, but kind of messy. So I was like, okay, let's give us, let's give this a try. So I trusted another student to know what she was doing. My hair caught fire. Oh my God. How my does, whole. But what created so, this reaction for it to get caught on fire? So basically, um, so when someone already has um, 
peroxide in their hair when they already have lightener processed through their hair. So, um, so I already had highlights basically my, the ends of my hair were already really light. And I, and I said to her, I was like, the color that is on the ends of my hair is not color. It is bleach. So when, when you have a client that has bleach already in their hair, you have to be more mindful of the strength of bleach that you're putting on the next time. Got it. I, I explained this to her and I was like, just be mindful of that when you do my hair. And she was very uh, nonchalant about it. She was very like, oh no, whatever. We'll figure it out. It's fine. It'll be good. So I told her for three days and I was like, okay, you need to figure out my formula because if anything happens to my hair, that's on you. Yeah. Right. She clearly didn't listen to me. She used 40, 40 volume bleach on my hair, which is the highest strength that you can possibly put on someone's hair. What happened was think of Rice Krispies, snap, crackle, pop. I heard, I heard it like, you know, crackling. And then I heard like, you know, I was like, okay, what is happening? My ear started burning and I felt the foil and I actually ended up getting burned from touching the foil that was on my head. And I was like, okay, this is clearly not okay. I heard it pop. And then my classmate said to me, she goes, your hair is fuming. And then all of a sudden my hair just completely combusted. It combusted into flames, my whole head. And I just dunked my head into a sink and I was like, wash my hair. Like I just started freaking out. Is that girl, obviously, is that girl still cutting hair? Bro, she's cutting hair. (laughs) I don't know how she graduated. I don't know. Crazy. (laughs) So I ended up having to get my hair um, pixied again because that's all that they could salvage from it. But like it's Um, you, so it's not even a bad thing. I feel like any haircut that I've seen you in, like you end up like it suits you. Like there's no bad haircut. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much, girl. And then like I I always always feel like I could do a pixie, and then I'm like, no, I think I just look like a potato. So I just avoid (laughs) anything like past my shoulders. I just avoid. (laughs) See, honestly, like it all comes to like haircuts. Haircuts are really like. It's based on how you look, like your style, like what, like how you carry it, basically. Yeah. So it's it's really not about how, like, even if someone has like a completely round head, if they want to get a bowl cut, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. But if if you have the confidence to pull it off and really like rock it, I mean, hey, you can rock it. Not going to say it's the best look for you, but you can. It just depends on the person. Like confidence level plays a huge, huge part. Like, but, um, I was devastated. So I do appreciate you saying that, but I was devastated because I took, I took so much like pride in everything that I did to like, I did hundreds of dollars worth of masks, um, no heat, making sure that like, you know, I took me over two, almost three years to grow my hair out to then have it, you know, disappear in an instant. So So I was like, okay. Yeah. Where's your hair at now? Like what length? Um, it is, uh, my collarbone. Okay. So two years. That's not bad. Actually. I think that grew pretty fast. That's where Um, my hair is at now, but I just keep cutting it like an idiot. (laughs) I I mean, you seem to, you seem to like that, you know, the short hair. I mean, it suits you. It looks really good. You rock it. So I have curly hair, don't you? It's like wavy. So like if I just put like like, like a, curl cream. A curl cream, yeah, it just waves mm. naturally. But it's weird because Yeah, like, so it's like mine, yeah. Yeah, like in the front it's a little bit thin, but like um 
all around is like pretty thick. So <laughs> yeah, that's literally me too. That's just I don't I don't get it. I don't know if it's because I've like been straightening my hair for like all high school and it's just how it's turned out. But um, honestly, it's probably tight ponies. Yeah, tight ponytails. Yeah. yeah. Did you see what I did today? Like, so I got the- this. <laughs> so I got this thing off Amazon. It's like um a Velcro roller. So there's like a kit of like a bunch. Mm. Of oh yeah, yeah, I see that. <laughs> So I tried that, but I think I, I should have done it with like my hair wet and just left it on for longer. Cause, um, it was like half dry already. I put it up in like the curls and then in the rollers, I mean, and then waited like two, three hours. So like there, it's wavy, but it's not like as tight knit curls as I wanted, but that was my first yeah. time. So I'm still experimenting. Yeah. And I think with longer hair, once it, grows out it will be good but this is like my could be my go-to for like no heat thing because that's honestly yeah it is it is a good way to go um but yeah you have to do it with your hair wet and then let your hair dry yeah with it in and then you just have to brush it out with a big like um see i should have um, done this i should have messaged you before doing this <laughs> <laughs> knowing i was going to talk to you today i was like damn it right think of this after and I was literally thinking of you while I was curling thing I'm like man like I don't know if I'm doing the right thing but I'll ask her and let and see if okay, let's just try it out yeah it doesn't hurt to try but usually in the summer I like doing braids that's come my go-to I just don't have anyone right now that is around like Etobicoke where I live to do it oh true okay yeah well I was gonna say there's a girl that I know up here that is really good at braiding so Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would braid your hair, but box braids and stuff like that are not my specialty. I do more like I can do cornrow work. I can do like, oh, nice. like that kind of, I actually, I'm very good at braiding. It's kind of, people wouldn't expect it, but I'm actually very good at braiding. <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe I'll I just can't do my own. There. Yeah. I might have to come <laughs> for a little appointment. Yeah. Yeah. We were supposed to see each other and then COVID happened. So yeah. It's just, so many uncertainties and some people are more comfortable than others so it's just like you gotta just respect people's space yeah and whatever they want and you know some people want to see you and some people don't as much but yeah things have changed but hopefully well, i mean i'm still taking clients but oh nice so are you doing it from home or yep <laughs> how's that how's that been um well i mean obviously i have to be mindful of um, so I, I make sure that the people that I'm seeing are people that I know personally and that I know are not surrounding themselves with big crowds of people. Just, I, I am still making sure that I'm taking the precautions necessary. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's not, it's not ideal because I don't have, you know, I don't have a shampoo sink. I don't have, you know, a salon chair, but I make do with what I do have. And I still, you know, I still give good work it's just a matter of in a busted home home (laughs) salon way you know (laughs) you gotta improvise but i'm sure people are still dying for haircuts so they'll take whatever oh yeah to be honest yeah like i'm having color like i'm having color clients i'm having cut clients um i've I've even had like you know people requesting um like extensions and stuff the only reason i won't do extensions right now is just because i am like i'm still pretty new at doing them so yeah. I want to I want to still practice a bit more before I start offering it as a service but I have like a lot of people are just so desperate that they're they're like please just do it and I'm like no like you still have to be mindful of what you're going to offer because at the end of the day that's your reputation yeah so someone walks out of 
out of my house or, you know, someone sits in my chair, that's me. That's my name. That's my reputation on the line of whatever I do. Right. So yeah, I try to, I, I, you know, I, I won't take everyone. So if someone asks me for something outrageous that I know I can't do or don't feel confident, nope. Sorry, not not doing it. That goes okay. for like that goes for like art too, because even me, like a lot of people, like ask if I do tattoos. Like I will never do tattoos. I feel like yeah, I'm way too like nervous and like my hand is not steady for me to do that. So usually I'll refer them to like other tattoo artists, or if people want mm-hmm. if people want a tattoo design, I'll actually refer them to other friends. Like um, actually refer them to like Jamal or whoever else, right? That are like yeah, good at yeah. that. Like usually like my go to are like paintings or logos or graphic design blah 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 right well i mean that's your specialty right and exactly. i feel like all us artists we all have our specialty so what is your specialty then when it comes to art because sketching I, sketching okay mm-hmm. sketching and like um i know it's gonna sound really taboo but like women drawing women are like my they're my they're my go-to i don't i like i like cartoon i like cartoon work um i don't i can't draw animals for the life of me flowers eh. <laughs> like I try but it doesn't always work out the way I wanted to so I just kind of created my own style of flowers yeah you can figure out what it is but you know I feel like you mesh, <laughs> I feel like you mesh the two together because you're really good at women and cartoons so I feel like you have this synergy where you put kind of because it's not realistic but it's also not all the way cartoon it's like this yeah i try to i try to incorporate like like not realism but um what's the word surrealism right would that i think that's the word because they're not completely cartoon but i also do try to like I, i keep cartoon aspects but i keep realistic aspects as well so i try to combine it yeah exactly their faces it's their faces are cartoon their bodies i try to keep more realistic Mm-hmm. So how did you yeah. actually get into like cartoons and drawing? Um, so like I said, so um, I wasn't born in Canada, which um, I think you knew. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was born, I was born in a little island and then I came to Canada when I was eight. So that was in 2001. I met a girl. Um, she was in my class. Her name was Kadisha Foster. She had a very unique drawing style, which was also girls. She liked to drawing like, you know, little, little cartoons with like the bang over the eye, you know, like the, the thing that was like um, common back at that time, you know, our little MSN days, emoji days. She used to draw like stuff like that. I seen her work and I was like, I was always drawn to, to anything art related. Ever since I was a little girl, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a model. I wanted to, you know, act. So that was already something that was in my being I already knew I wanted the arts so I seen these drawings and I was like oh like this is interesting I've never actually tried to really draw so I started copying her I started just doing the same drawings that she would do just to kind of get the practice and then that's where I started to develop my own style and I actually um I ended up taking it quite seriously I I did art all throughout elementary, middle, high school. Um, I won awards every single year for the art that I did, which that showed me that I clearly was meant to be doing something art related. Exactly. So that, so I feel like that's always kind of been where I was supposed to be, but I never, I still haven't found, I guess, 
my calling in regards to it. But I feel, I feel like some people, some people don't always need a calling. I feel like some people have that calling and they stick to what they do best. But then there's the other spectrum. Like, I feel like for me or you or some other artists where you're open to trying new things and it's okay to not have that style because it's yeah ever, it's ever changing ever evolving like you've went from art to painting to modeling like hair like you're just trying everything yeah <laughs> you just follow wherever the wind takes you <laughs> like it, that's it yeah it's okay I mean honestly like if I had a choice of what medium I would be in right now successfully it would be acting 1000% no questions asked. Yes. And, um, it's because, so, I mean, you might know this, but you might not. So when I was 14, um, we had a talent show at my school and Geffen records, a Geffen records representative, which I think is now they changed the name. Um, Geffen no longer exists. They changed the name to another company, but basically, um, it was basically, um, what was his face? Nelly Furtado's manager, I think it was, he was at, he was at the talent show and he seen me perform as well as another student um, named Samuel. And we both got an offer to come and talk to them because they wanted to sign us. Right. So, and you sing, I totally forgot that you sing too. Yeah. So I have on my notes, so I have on my notes here. I have art, painting, <laughs> modeling hair. I'm like, shit, like you sing too. Fuck. You do everything. Yes. So singing has actually been my most successful venture other than art. So, um, so I was, so I was offered to sign a contract at 14, um, with Geffen two years later, I auditioned for Disney and I actually did get recruited. So um, they had me on the roster for acting and singing, but because they needed me to pay, I think it was like $5,500 or something for yeah. like, um, not, not necessarily like a, like an agent, but like acting school, things like that. But the requirements that they had, I just, at the time I was not able to achieve and my parents weren't in a place where they could afford it or, you know, put that into, so, I mean, I don't hold it against them, but it's just nice to be recognized for that. Yeah. And then when I was 18, sorry, no, 19, I was 19 and Universal signed me. Oh, wow. Um, crazy. So that they, was, they put so much pressure, like these record labels put so much pressure on like, Oh yeah. Like you're 14. What do you know? <laughs> no who's at 14, what you want to do with your life. And then to just, I don't know, just put these requirements that cost so much money. It's like no one even expects that in your family. Like, uh, well, honestly, at 14, at 14, the reason I didn't do it is because I, in my mind, I already seen how the industry was. And I'll, I'll go into detail as to why I didn't pursue music. But basically, when I was 14, I didn't want to be overly sexualized. And I knew that that was exactly what was going to happen. Because as a 14 year old, I already had a woman's body. So it's like, I didn't want them to, um, and like, that was another one of my parents' concerns was like, you know, you're like, Disney was something like completely different, but Geffen, they would have, you know, used my looks, used my talent and tried to sexualize it regardless of how they still would have tried. And that's something that I wasn't comfortable with. And that's so why I let that go altogether. And that's why so many artists usually go the Disney route, right? So like Selena Gomez or Miley Cyrus do that kind of kitty yeah. um, mm-hmm. route. And then 
after all that, they go through this transformation and then they get into the labels where they actually take their music seriously and then they become all sexualized. And then consumers or people like us that see that transformation, we're either like shocked. We're like, oh my God, where did this come from? But it's like, no, this is them just growing up because you see them in Disney from like 14 to 18. And then when they're coming out with music, they're like 20, finally grown. But then people are like shocked. But I mean, they're two different two different platforms and two different. Oh, hundred percent. But I feel like, I feel like being signed, being signed with Disney though. Um, like, I don't know if maybe like you'll understand this. I'm sure you will, but basically like when you're signed with, with a, a label such as Disney, right? Like with a company like them, your, your fans or your fan base, the people that have followed you for years, they're always going to see you as that Disney star. So yeah. then when you try to grow out of that, it's it's going to be a hit or miss. You're either going to succeed a lot because the fans want to continue growing with you and see your your growth, or you're going to be stuck as that Disney star for the rest of your life. Like a lot of people have been, you know, a lot of people started with Disney and couldn't grow out of it no matter how much they tried because people were not accustomed to seeing them in anything but Disney. Yeah. So, and that was one of my reservations too, right? Aside from having to pay a crap load of money to, you know, just do the job. So I, I was like, okay, well, how is my career going to grow if I decide that I don't want to do Disney anymore? So that didn't, end up hap- that didn't end up happening. But the Universal one, I did. It was an umbrella company. So I'll just, that's why I'll just say Universal. It wasn't Universal directly. It was an umbrella company of Universal. Okay. But um, so when they signed me... Um, like I did do the work I did do, like I signed the contract, I recorded an album. I did, you know, the, the mixing, the mastering, like it was all, it was done, but the only thing, so my contract. So the reason I didn't blow up were continue doing music and yeah. it's kind of going to be really shitty and I'm going to get into the details of it is basically. So my agent, um, I'm not going to name names. Obviously I'm going to keep everything anonymous, but my agent was, um, he was a famous Disney star. Mm. And he he took advantage of my innocence. He because I was a very naive person. I I always see the good in people, and I I try not to think that oh you know the person's trying to hurt me or um, they're gonna you know they're gonna use me for things that I'm not gonna be okay with. And that ended up happening. He used my innocence against me. So I trusted him because he actually also went to my elementary school before blowing up into a Disney star. Oh wow. So we did go to elementary school together. So that was why I felt like I had a higher trust level in him is because I'd known him since I was a child. Right. So when we met up later in life and I was like, oh, you know, I do this now. And he decided to take me on. So he he seen my work. He seen my talent. And he basically suggested that I offer him more than what the contract stated. Um, AKA my body. And I said, so I basically said to him, I was like, first off, this is not what we agreed to. I'm giving you my talent. I'm giving you my time. I was traveling from Barrie to Toronto every single, like what, like every other day, every couple of days, just so I can go record. And every single time that I was there, you know, we'd obviously get to work, but he would always be kind of perverted. He would always try to, you know, persuade me to do things that I didn't want to do. Right. Yeah. And um, it just got to a point where 
it just became too much. I started seeing his friend, um, or not seeing him, but like his friend showed, showed interest in me. Um, he was a blue Jay at the time. He, so whatever we were talking and then I, I explained to him, I was like, Hey, your, your friend is obviously interested in me. I'm interested in him. So why are you still continuing this? And that's when, and so this is kind of like the breaking point where I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't do this anymore. He basically stated like, um, how JLo slept with her manager, Mariah slept with her manager. Sierra was an escort at one point. And so I told him my response to all of that was, okay, but what's my name? So he said my name and I was like, okay, my name is not any of those. Exactly. So you cannot expect out of me, like you cannot expect that out of me if that's not something that we agree to. So no, that's not going to happen. And he goes, okay, well, I'm paying for all your studio time. I'm paying for whatever. And I'm like, okay, but that's your job. You took me on. <laughs> like, you can't expect more out of me than, than some, what Mike. Some people or guys feel like they have that higher power because, you know, right? Because they're paying, because they have the money, they feel that because I'm doing this, you owe me. Or like, yeah, he had an entitled attitude, though. He was a Disney star. So he's like, oh, like, I have a title. Girls want me. Girls are jumping to be with me. And I'm like, okay, but I'm not. What's your yeah. point? And so he just decided to like, um, he, I mean, he did, he did a lot more than I'm, than I'm stating, but he, he ruined my experience of being in music. He, he did take advantage of me on multiple occasions. And I just said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. So I, he, he threatens to cut my contract and I was like, you know what? Go ahead. Yeah. I don't care. And the reason why I don't have a lot, the reason why I don't have my music is because in the contract, it stated that anything, anything that was recorded and mixed, but not mastered, like not ready for an album or an EP belonged to them. So they made sure that every single song was mixed, not mastered. So I couldn't keep anything. And guess who went ahead and bought one of my songs? little mr drake really he bought one of my songs <laughs> really yep he so you, bought he bought one of my and i got no revenue for it i got no credit i got no nothing nothing so it's, a, it's the a sad song, part it's a song that he that so you perform or you recorded the song and because it wasn't mastered he took that song on as his own <laughs> um it, it's more complicated than that so basically, okay, so it was a duet between me and a guy named Ram Riddles. I'm sure oh, you know who that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, a, it was a collaborative thing with me and Ram Riddles, and uh, it's called Sweeter Man. Um, yeah, yeah. So that song, so that song, I did, I did have a portion, like I, have a, I had a verse in it, like just like a piece that I recorded on. And um, basically, once I left, they took me off the record and took any credit any like anything that i had that was on it they took it off and then i came to find out that aj saudin who was um ram riddle's manager at the time he obviously got connected with the ovo you know crew and met drake showed him the song and then drake wanted to do a remix to it he basically bought the rights to to make his own version of it yeah. so that's why now Every time I hear that song, I'm like, good old buddy Drake. 
I bought the freaking song. Like, and I mean, like, I don't know, man. There's so there's so much musically that like so Drake. So before before that even happened, it's kind of messed up. I was working with this guy. Um, so you remember? I don't remember the name of his album. It was one of his first ones. It's like either his first or his second album. I mean, I don't know if you know Drake's albums very well. I don't, but it was one of the first two. And okay. a, a friend of mine, um, Juan Pablo, he was one of the sound engineers working with him on on that record, like on one of the albums. And apparently he was looking for a female vocalist and Juan showed him a clip of me singing and he actually requested that I come in. I never did. <laughs> So like you were over it. You're like the music industry. I'm sick of all these people. <laughs> no, no, this is this is before then. This is oh, way before. before then. Oh, oh yeah, this is. I was like, this sounds like, like such a headache. Oh my god, no oh, one. Bro, I I'm see why you. I see why you left. <laughs> I was like, I was like, bro, like this is so toxic. And I remember going to. I think I think the breaking point for me, besides you know him threatening to cut my contract, was I went to a party. You know, like a like a label party. Right. And um, when I tell you that, think of buffet tables, but all drugs. <laughs> no, that doesn't surprise Just drugs. It's just the music industry is. Oh, it's not. From what I've it's heard from other podcasts but- and just like experiences and stories, so much violence and it's rape so and drugs. It's so messed and- up. Oh, God. And that's why my innocence, it couldn't, it like, at that time, I was super naive, right? At the time, I was super innocent. And I feel like those experiences is what allowed me to grow to, to know what I know today. But going through, like, at the time, I didn't smoke weed. I didn't, you know, I've never done cocaine in my life. I've never, drugs were never my, even alcohol. I'm not really, I'm not really a drinker besides that very small period of time that you knew me. And that was only socially. Like, when we party together, my that was basically the only... Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm not, I don't like alcohol. I'll be honest. So for me to be at that party and see that that's the only thing that they have to offer and like lean and you know, all these things that I just, I had no interest in. I was like, why am I here? Like, what am I doing here? This is not, this is not the environment I want to be in. This is not like, if this is what being in the music industry is like, I don't want it. Especially for someone that wants, that actually takes their music seriously and wants to actually pursue it as a career. And then you have these people just come in and just feel like, like they, they yeah, and they, they, want and, they took me as a joke. Yeah. Yeah. He treated me like a joke and that's kind of, it made me lose faith in being able to trust someone in the music industry so that's why i just stopped doing it i was like i can't and the music industry too i guess with other industries as well but um it's more about who you know and not what you know like you could be absolutely you could be the best singer but if you don't have like the networks or the people yeah you're not getting anywhere not getting anywhere and then that's where artists you know suck it up and do these things with their manager whoever signs these contracts to get ahead Mm -hmm. right but then like that's where all morals and ethics come through and yeah that's just a mixing pot of toxic things (laughs) yeah literally i'd have girls looking at me like i was like I was the strange one because I wouldn't do things. And it's like, okay, well, you're sitting here running a train on a man. Like, hello, you think I'm going to do that? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> like, nope. I'm telling you, man, some of the things that, some of the things that I've seen and experienced just, it, it was not, 
it wasn't worth it. It really wasn't like, and I feel like that's why I fell off the face of the earth for a while because I needed to recover from all of the trauma of having to deal with everything that I dealt with within those two years that I was, you know, doing all of that, like the modeling, the, the music, just all of it. It just, I had to, I had to put my life like almost at a halt because like everything that I seen and experienced, it was just so much. Like I obviously was devastated that I no longer had a contract, but at the same time, I felt like my pride and my dignity, like, sorry, not my pride, but my dignity. Like I, I had, I had to keep that. And I was, I was just so angry that because I had dignity, I lost my dream, the opportunity to do my, like to live out my dream. Especially when, so it's, especially when it's like you're a first timer getting into the industry and then you see how people are behaving in the industry. And then it almost makes you think like, is this the normal? Like, yeah, exactly. Ways, Cause I'm sure there's other artists that aren't doing it, but when you're first coming in, you see all this stuff and you're like, okay, this is the norm. And then, okay, I don't want to do it. Cause if this is how it normally is, I'm out, <laughs> I'm not doing it. Yeah. It makes you afraid of like, taking another step because it's like, okay, well, what if I'm just sinking into a deeper hole that I won't be able to get out of at some point? Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, that's why I hit that midlife crisis of, okay, well, I've given up on every dream I've ever had. What am I going to do now? And, and then I realized I've been messing with hair my whole life. So why not do it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's how I ended up as a hairdresser. (laughs) And I see, and I see why artists that like sing, and they actually like leave the industry and they deviate towards like, you know, owning their own business or having different streams of income. People like act now, like all the singers nowadays or anyone that's in music, they don't just do music. Like they have so many other mm-hmm. streams where I guess they, because they have that experience, they know like, all right, music isn't going to give me the bucks. Cause with these contracts and stuff, like you end up being screwed over. So they have to find other routes of things, which is exactly what you did. Right. Well, yeah. Unless you're like, unless you're loaded and have a good circle, like a good um, support, where like talented people that know what they're doing that you can just like if you have a home studio you know what you're doing the people you know know what they're doing then yeah you can succeed as long as you're loaded as long as you have money to back up your work and back up your you know your studio time like all that stuff like you'll be able to succeed but if you're relying on other people like with contracts right that's why a lot of these artists they don't want to sign contracts they want the companies to pay for their touring, to pay for their merch, because that's where the money really goes. Exactly. So, but the minute you sign a contract, you're getting rid of all your creative freedom. You're getting rid of your freedom. So that's, it's, just, it's like I said, it's not worth it. And that's why I, I just, I couldn't do it. But I mean, hey, kudos to the people that are doing it. You know, I'm, I'm in awe of a lot of the talent that's out there. Even people that aren't really known, like some of the best artists I've ever heard are underground artists artists that aren't even heard of yet like these mainstream artists are, are losing their touch so I mean kudos to them and I you know I hope it works out for them but for me it, it definitely it wasn't for me <laughs> but the one the ones that are losing their touch are also losing their sanity so like you know they always say like, they're like the Kanye West or people that are you know they say that you, you're signing your life away to the devil the whole Illuminati thing like 
all of these underground artists are probably more talented because um thousand percent because they're honest they're authentic yeah they don't have they rather go the independent route i feel like kanye and i mean hey this might be controversial hey let it be let it be if it is let's spice up the podcast (laughs) (laughs) this might be controversial but i mean any true any true kanye fan will agree though the man is a genius regardless of his opinions regardless of his opinions the man is a genius he created something at the time that he did that was so new so revolutionary to the music world that to a lot of people it was like whoa like what is he doing and then I feel like something must have happened to him or multiple things must have happened to him, you know, aside from his mother passing, aside from, you know, those things, but strictly music related, like he must have really gone through something to end up the way he is because yeah. he does have bipolar disorder, which to be honest with you, a lot of artists do. I do too. I have borderline personality disorder as well as bipolar disorder. So mm-hmm. I know, I know that <laughs> these conditions, these mental health conditions can actually benefit artists but sometimes it can actually take us down a really dark path which is unfortunately what happened with him yeah so i feel i honestly feel nothing but sympathy for that guy because that guy he he is so smart so talented but i just i feel really bad because whatever happened to him must have really been horrible yeah for him to switch like that to go from you know graduation album i think that's what it was called to now it's like whoa like what happened yeah and it, you can see it that through, was a, that was only a span of yeah you can see it through every album mm-hmm. you can see I'm him changing sure. you could see him losing his sanity and losing his himself he's losing himself quite literally how are you keeping up with your mental health now like you're saying a lot of artists go crazy and they can't balance the two sides of them with the bipolar and everything so what are you doing for yourself to kind of um well i'm actually now seeing um seeing a psychologist um, yeah because so i don't know if you've ever heard of borderline personality disorder it's quite different than bipolar um so what's the difference then um so borderline is basically so it's called borderline because it's it's a lot of different conditions put in one and because it's so i guess like you can't pinpoint it But the similarities between bipolar and borderline is that there are very, very high, strong mood swings. Um, Bipolar, typically it goes for weeks, months, whereas borderline, I can feel I can feel up to like six different emotions, like strongly within a very short period of time. Like I say six as a random number, but it can be as many as you can think of within a very short period of time. So I can go from being absolutely furious to being ecstatic, to being in love, to being depressed within half an hour. Like it's, it's, it's extremely exhausting. I was going to say that sounds so stressful. (laughs) It is honestly just being, this is going to sound kind of depressive, but just being alive is tiring because I don't, because I don't have the proper tools to regulate it. So that's why I'm seeing the psychologist. So she's helping me basically do dialectical behavioral therapy, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, like so CBT, DBT, and just teaching me how to live without feeling like, you know, feeling like my mind is a a race car. Yeah, I was going to say, I could imagine it's probably like, for me, it's overwhelming. But for someone with this, it's probably 10 times harder. 
Oh, 100%. Um, have you ever watched the movie Split? Yeah. So, you know, towards the end when, um, when his therapist, oh, sorry, no, when the girl says his real name and all the personalities are like fighting to come out. Yeah, yeah. There's like, was it nine? Something like that? More? I think it's like 20 something. No. How many were there? I, I don't no- know. There was a lot. There's there was a lot. lot of personalities, just too many. But um, yeah, so I like I, I like to explain it this way because I feel like people will understand it best. So it's like that. But instead of personalities, it's emotions. So I'm always having to fight with which emotion is going to come out. Mm. So so if even if I'm even if I'm even, like angry, it can be an irrational anger. So I have to basically fight myself and be like, OK, Anger is not what you should be feeling right now. You say, need to. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to reg- regulate the right emotion to what is actually going on. Yeah, because a lot of the time you can't even trust how you're feeling because you don't know whether it's rational, whether it's irrational. So you have to trust that the people around you are going to guide you properly and say, hey, like this is this is accurate or this is not accurate. Right. So you have to trust that the people around you are not going to gaslight you and tell you that you're doing something that that basically not lie to you. Yeah. And I thankfully, you know, I have one very strong support like person and he is he's my rock. Like I wouldn't be able to to be where I'm at and having like I wouldn't have, you know, pursued therapy and done everything that I've done up to today if it wasn't for him. He he pushed me to become better and I truly owe where I'm at today to him. So it's like, I don't know, my life could have been a lot different, but I'm just thankful I am where I'm at. Yeah, because just imagine <laughs> just, ima- just hearing about the music stuff, like just imagine like you going into that, like that could have been that could have led to something super dark. Mm-hmm. I could have. Oh, man, I don't even want to picture it, but it definitely would have been a whole whole other world. So I guess things are getting better now, now that you're doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Learning so much about yourself and what not to do. And I guess they teach you different practices on when you have all these emotions and how to regulate it. Yeah. So basically 2020 and 2021 have been a big learning, a big self-discovery time. So, but yeah, they're, she's been wonderful. Shout out to shout out to my psych. <laughs> she's been she's been great. Has she, has she been telling you at all to like create and like yeah know, yeah as art like therapy. an outlet? Yeah, art therapy. Yep. So, what are you doing in terms of that? Um. Well, let I'll be honest. Nothing <laughs> because you know when you feel like it's kind of like writer's block. You know, you get artist block. Of course. You you it's like you have that deep desire within yourself to create but then the minute you sit in front of that canvas or in front of that paper you're just like but I don't feel inspired I don't feel I like I don't feel it like I don't want to yeah like and so you're almost fighting with yourself I mean as an artist I'm sure you understand you almost like fight with yourself because it's like you want to create so badly but at the same time it's like you don't know how it's like you almost forget how well, sometimes it's like for me, it's forced because it's part of my job. So even when I don't want to create, it's like my nine to five or it's whatever. Right. So I have to put myself in this mindset where I have to do it. So there's that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. 
I couldn't. That's why I'm like, do I follow art? Do I lose my passion for it because of yeah. a career? Like, that's why, like, that's why I think I've kept art as a hobby rather than a career because yeah. I didn't want to lose the passion that I have for it. And I feel like if I was to do like, cause I did consider doing graphic design. I remember we talked about it. Yeah, we did. Um, and I mean, that's still an idea I'm toying with, but I'm not really sure. Cause again, I don't want to lose my passion. Right. <laughs> I want to still be in love with the craft. Yeah. So I don't know, but, but yeah, the, I think inspirations wise, it's other people's work. I think inspire me other people's dedication to their work, I think is what motivates me to continue mine. Yeah. For me, at least like, it's been a learning process, like, um, cause I've been doing, I mean, painting and drawing so much longer than graphic design, but just being in mm -hmm. the art creative kind of industry, like in the beginning, it was, um, harder to get clients I wanted so I kind of had to put up with whatever I could take for that time because I wasn't so experienced but now I feel like now that I have four years under my belt I can be a little more pick and choose who I want and I can say no to people I don't want because I already have the skills and the experience so with that I can yeah. work for clients that are not so micromanaging and, and a little bit more laid back. Like this cannabis company I work for now, um, mm -hmm. it's freelance and um, it's remote from home. So that's good because I can work on that for three, four hours and then I can take a break and then switch to painting and then work with another client. Whereas if I was where I started, I was doing the nine to five with one client. And then that just got redundant and boring. So that just loses its touch. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you can work anywhere. You can literally go on vacation and still work. So that, that's that's the thing too, because of COVID <laughs> it's been like a blessing in disguise because um, I can work remotely anywhere with my graphic design, which has been a plus, but um, that's why I've been picky looking for my next job um, because I don't want to work in the office. I want to have my options open. And I think the freelance route is something that I'm definitely going to take into consideration because. Uh, I mean, Hey, if it's paying your bills, then yeah, do it. Yeah. And I like the fact that I can like switch on and off different hats. Like I can paint for like two hours and then I'm like, okay, I'm bored of this. And then what can I do next? And I work on another <laughs> an project. So I'm an like, artist's life. <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah. ADD. Yeah. Literally. Oh. It's like, oh, I'm bored now. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. So It's pretty great to, to just have that option, you know, just to be able to jump from different mediums, you know, to just be stuck in one, I think would be, that would suck. I think. I, I think for you, like, because you've kept it a hobby, it's easier for you to be creative. Like for me, cause I'm in like such a corporate type of mindset all the time. It's hard for yeah. me to actually be creative and like let loose and just sketch and draw and like come up with concepts because I'm always like in this corporate world where I have to like do things a certain way. Like I have to use certain colors because it's part of the logo and certain brand guidelines. So you're limited. Yeah. So then when I go to like paint something or draw something like on my own, I'm like, okay. You have that same mindset. I'm, yeah. Like, hey. I'm, I'm overthinking <laughs> it. And then I don't do anything <laughs> at all. Cause I'm overwhelmed. And then I just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, that's the fee. It's overwhelming. Cause it's like, you want to do something and then you don't know what to do. 
Yeah, I have all these ideas literally on yeah. the top. I'm like, I'm going to draw this and this. And then like, I'm just like, nope, <laughs> I'm not. Gonna Honestly, I find that that's the easiest way to do something is like I, I, I go on Instagram, you know, and I go to like all my favorite artists accounts or even like I'll just see like a really pretty person. Right. Like um, like I'll go on like pages where they post like aesthetic, you know, girls just with different makeup ideas or whatever, just, just to get. Um, creative inspiration. Yeah. So it's like, I'll see, I'll see a really pretty girl and I'll be like, Oh, okay. Maybe I can use her face and then her makeup and then her, you know, aspects of her outfit or a color scheme. So I basically pick and choose things from different areas. And then I create whatever it is that I want to create. Yeah. So I find that that's the easiest way for me to do it. So maybe that, I don't know if you do the same thing, but like, yeah, I, mean, I, feel I, like, I find it works for me. So. Yeah. Like nowadays, I feel like nothing's really original. Like I feel like everything, every piece of art or any creative thing is always, it leads to another creative. Like there's always inspiration from someone else. There's nothing. Yeah. Every That's, you know, a hundred percent your own idea. There's always. Unless, yeah. Unless you got like this crazy out of world style that, you know, is just unheard of then yeah it, it's usually gonna have similar aspects to another artist like majority of the procreate artists that i follow i notice that they have very similar artworks or they have very similar styles or the the way they draw the eyes or the way they draw lips or it's very similar because it's like who else are we learning from yeah you know we're, we're not learning from you know the old timers the renaissance like we're not doing that anymore I mean, if hey, if you're doing it and you're, you know, carving marble sculptures, hey, kudos, great, like teach me. But it's not, it's not something that is common anymore. Yeah. You know, everyone is on a piece of paper or on an iPad doing digital work. It's, it does, yeah. We do definitely need to branch out, become more original. But how do you do that when you have nothing to spark that in you anymore? Yeah. Especially with COVID and being locked up all the time. There's really nothing to everyone being. See. Yeah. It's like, there's no, like, where are you going to find that natural inspiration if you can't even leave your house? Yeah. For me, it was like traveling or just seeing art inspired me to want to do art. But now it's like, I can't even go to art galleries or even look at other people's stuff other than like Instagram and digital stuff. But I can't, it's hard for me to get into that paper to pen than to digital and you've seemed to do it so how, how have you transitioned um well like from paper to digital yeah um well actually I started out my first piece that I did um I'll actually send it to you um it's it was a drawing that I actually did on a sticky note <laughs> and I was like okay I need to learn how to do digital art so I put the, so I took a picture of it with my iPad and I uploaded it onto Procreate and I started just tracing it because okay. I was like, okay, like I already have this drawing, this original idea that I created, but I want to test out how to use Procreate. Honestly, it was a big learning curve. It was a little bit stressful because obviously it's not like you can't just erase a line and then boom, it's fine. You're working with layers just like you would in graphic design, right? You're working with different layers. You're working with, you know, um, you make it like you do an accident on the wrong layer, you're screwed. 
right? Like, yeah. and that happened to me a lot because I didn't know I didn't know how to how to work with layers yet. That was my first time really having to pay attention to that. But um, eventually, you know, you get the hang of it. You get the like. I, I had to try at least 15 different times, like with different art pieces to really kind of get the hang of what I was doing. Yeah. I'm at like two and then I stopped. <laughs> yeah. It's stressful. <laughs> it really, going. yeah. I actually sold my iPad. Um, like the only thing that I had procreate on, I sold it. So now it's like, Hey, so now I can't even do procreate. See, I, I got the iPad from work and then they let me go. So when I got that iPad, I bought like the pencil to go with it. And then when they let me go, now I just have the pencil. And no oh, shoot. <laughs> that sucks. No. Well, I mean, hey, like you can invest in one. Yeah. If you wanted to. But it's so weird because like I do graphic design and I work with layers, but then... I don't even work with that many layers when I'm doing that. So it's the most maybe is like 10 layers. But then when I see like YouTube videos of people using Procreate, they're at like 50 layers. <laughs> like, how do you know? Like, yeah. That's, that's a lot. Literally that's see. And exactly. So it's like, I try to like when I'm doing my, my pieces, I try to make sure that, you know, like let's say layer two, right. I make sure layer two is all line work regardless of what it is it's all line work yeah you have layer to three up. shading layer four whatever details like i just i try to keep it as minimal as possible yeah but then the, again the problem is is that if you make even the slightest mistake you're erasing parts of the rest of that layer even though you don't want to yeah any, so person that, that, any person that doesn't have procreate or doesn't draw or whatever will probably be so confused listening to this. Basically, it's a headache. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a big old headache. Don't do it. And if you're going to do it, practice. Watch a lot of YouTube videos. Times. <laughs> yeah, right. Just watch a lot of YouTube videos. They'll teach you lots. YouTube teaches you a lot, to be honest. People need to take Literally, it. like, why do people pay for school anymore? That's also a thing. Like, you, <laughs> like, how, you said, like how you said you want to learn graphic design. Like, you could honestly just take a program on YouTube or just learn how to do things through there. And, yeah, um, literally. I know so many self-taught designers, and now they're doing Yeah, well. but how, like, what kind of companies are going to hire you unless you have that piece of paper, though, right? Like, that's the only problem. People, uh, but I feel like that's such an old way of thinking now. Like now, I mean, I have two diplomas, but I probably could have been good without it. I think it just depends on discipline. Like some people have the discipline like you to get the knowledge like YouTube and stuff and teach themselves. Yeah. Some people don't have the discipline to teach themselves. So they go to school to force themselves to sit and learn these things. Right. Yeah. In regards to technology, I think I don't have the same kind of discipline. I mean, it, it was art, like the Procreate stuff. It was art. So I think I was more motivated to do it because I was already working on pieces. But to teach myself, like, you know, graphic design, for example, if I was to try to teach myself that because there's so much because there's so much that I don't understand from the get go, I think yeah. I would be less inclined to teach myself. I'd have to have someone there teaching me. So I feel like, yeah. It's not just one program too, right? Like it's exactly there's several. Design, there's like four or five. It depends what you want to get into. Like I use a program just for recording podcasts and then I edit yeah. on the same program. And then if I want to make the graphics for the social media, I have to go to another program and yeah, there's, there's a lot of, it's a lot it's yeah. programs, right? Like you have to learn the whole program, but even for me, like 
I don't know everything. I know whatever, probably more from experience than actual school. So. And that's that's the same. Yeah. I totally relate with the hair stuff. I totally relate. I didn't learn as much as I did until I actually hit a salon and my boss was like, Hey, here, here's the wolves. Den. do it. I was like, okay. I was like, cool. I will potentially not ruin something. Yeah, but you just cool, great. Hey, I lucked out though. Yeah, you're you're still doing it, right? Um, yeah, so- I'm doing it. I never messed anyone's hair up. No hair has been on fire. On fire, on accord. <laughs> nope, never did it. Never done it. Never gonna do it. Thankfully, I I lucked out a little bit. <laughs> so, what are you working on now? Are there any projects you're doing, or just hanging out, or? Well, like I'm I'm teaching myself more about the extensions right now, so that I can um, actually offer them as services. But um, I do want to get more into. Like, I want to draw like series of stuff. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. So like everyone's been drawing like the sail because Sailor Moon came out on Netflix, right? So I want to kind of yeah, see if I can. I showed you that. <laughs> yeah, like I was so happy. Yes, you're the MVP. Thank you. Did you finish watching it? I only got through like 30 minutes. Like I'm just let's, so having got. Let's on. be honest. I'm with. I'm still on the first episode or it's like the first part. I'm watching it with my sister. So because I work nights right now, it's like it's kind of hard to be awake during the day and do things. So I'm still in the first episode. So we're kind of in the same place. Okay, good. But um, I'm enjoying it though. I'm really enjoying it. So I think I'm gonna. I'm going to create my own renditions of Sailor Scouts and I'm going to attempt it in watercolor. So we will see how that goes. Mm. I will be posting it. So we'll see. We'll see how, how much I, uh, how much I butcher it. We'll see. <laughs> you got to be positive. Don't think like. Hey, see, but if I talk, if I, if I talk negatively about it, I end up working better. Cause I'll be like, okay, it's going to suck. And then it actually turns out really good. And I'm like, okay. You surprise Thanks. yourself. Yeah. It's like, hope for the best, expect the worst. That's how I live my life. <laughs> I'm so out of touch now. Like, I don't even get into, I'm not even into anime or like video games like that anymore. Like when I saw Sailor Moon, I was like, oh my God, this brings me back to when I was like. Right. <laughs> I it made me like, so happy. For like Christmas, I used to have like, I used to have the wand and the whole tiara and oh my God. So fun. Yeah. I used to to have a little compact compact. (laughs) Oh man. That it made me so happy. It had lip glosses in it. I was so happy. I used to take that to school and be like the coolest kid. (laughs) Everyone wanted to see it. (laughs) It was great. And it was like the cheapest like lip gloss from like the Dollarama quality. Oh yeah. yeah. It was so bad. It was so bad. Had all that thick, nasty glitter, like, you know, it was just super gross, but you know. You're like, you're little. So you're like, I'm cool. I have lip gloss, whatever. And then like, like the eyeshadows that the eyeshadows that came with the little, remember the sponge tip applicators? Like they're not even brushes. Oh my God. Like little yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. Like that's how we do our makeup. That explains the early 2000s in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. A whole mess. Oh man. It was a mess. But hey, you know what? It was good times. Like I don't regret them. They were great. Even the bad fashion. It was wonderful. (laughs) It's coming back. It's coming back too, which I was. Yeah. So in terms terms of like all your art, drawing, painting, modeling, hair, and now singing, I forgot that you actually sing, but where can (laughs) listeners find you online? Um, Well, 
I don't really post too much nowadays, but um, I do have an art page. I'm not set on a name yet, so I just put it as my personal page design. So you don't really need Slate to have a set dot- name. You just gotta do it. Well, I'm just not. I'm just not happy with the name yet. Hmm. That's it. I just I need to brand it, but I haven't decided on a name yet. So it's my personal page's name with design. So it's slay dot w dot dre designs. Nice. So that's where I post some of my art. And then I just have my personal page. I don't really post my modeling anymore because I don't do it. Um, I don't post music because I don't record anymore. But um, I mean, you might end up finding me doing a live, just singing. Please. You know, I, I could, I'll take requests. <laughs> karaoke people, from his- oh yeah man if people want to like duet come on the live and we could do like a live karaoke kind of that would be sick i think i actually think we should do that we should like host an event or like a zoom a zoom event where That'd be cool. we do that that I would know, be so cool. i know someone that like produces like r&b type music so maybe i can connect you I actually i did an episode with him on the podcast and he just does it as a hobby and you do it as a hobby yeah that'd be dope yeah i i think honestly it's great the only thing is though I'm not much like I, I write poetry. I'm not much of a lyric writer. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I have a hard time writing lyrics. So, I mean, hey, if he wants to write lyrics, I'm down to sing them. I'm sure he does. I'll, I'll have as to. long as long as I get that, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm not the I'm not the best writer. I write poetry, if anything. Like that's what I do. That's another thing I missed off of your different what talents. <laughs> poetry. oh poetry. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I mean, I feel like. I feel like when you do music, you it's kind of inevitable that you do some sort of writing. Yeah. Right. Like because most singers or most artists do write their own stuff. But I've always been I've always struggled with coming up with like um, uh, like a lyric breakdown. So I'll write the poetry, give it to the producer or whoever and then be like, hey, help me. Mm. <laughs> like I'll write the theme of whatever it is that I want to do, but then they help me break it down into into actual verses or chorus, things like that. So they they help me break it down and set it up. I just do the majority of the idea. Yeah, they they and, structure it into like music format. Yeah, exactly. I write I write the the story, the the lyrics, but they structure it for me because I'm at this point hopeless. When it comes to that, I've tried. I've tried for. This is why your uh, your emotions come to like an advantage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I can channel, and that's why I want to do acting because I can channel whatever emotion that I have or that I want to whatever it is that I'm doing. I don't know, man. Maybe I might still be an actress. Who knows? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I might do it. You never know with me. You're still young. You can do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, I mean, I'm 28. So it's like, am I too old to start? I don't know. There's so many actors or actresses that have done it. Taraji P. Henson, when she was. Yeah, that's right. Five, like even like two chains. She's a rapper. He didn't start doing it till he was like 40. Like so many people did it later on in their lives. So, you know, you know what? You're right. The time's not there yet, but when it does, you'll be ready. Yeah, that's true. You're very correct. I mean, hey, maybe I might do it. Maybe you might catch me on the next Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the podcast. I appreciate it. 
I had a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. No problem. Now people can find you and check Andrea out. And I will post some photos. And that's it. So thanks, guys. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Creative Castaways Podcast. If you enjoyed listening or learned anything today, pay it forward and share the podcast with your friends and through social media. You can find us on Instagram at Creative Castaways Pod and listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for all the support, and we'll see you next time. Creative Castaways.